there and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. My name is Neve Brannigan. If you're a regular listener, it's lovely to have you back. And if you're a first timer, welcome. In today's episode, we're traveling back in time to a special event during our 2019 film festival. A real life film festival, not virtual. Can you imagine? We're going to the Great Show Club in Soho, London, where Mark chats to one of our award winning patrons, Andrew Scott. I don't feel like Andrew Scott needs any introduction, but as a little recap, he starred in hit TV shows such as Fleabag, Black Mirror, His Dark Materials and Sherlock, to name but a few, alongside some incredible films like Pride, 1917 and Handsome Devil. He's also graced the stage in Dublin, The West End and Broadway, winning his first Olivier in 2004 with The Girl in the Car with the Man at the Royal Court, and then again in 2017, he won his next Laurence Olivier Award for his stellar performance as Hamlet. He really has done it all. It was an absolute privilege to attend this event myself. I witnessed a room full of young actors sitting in awe of Andrew's words of wisdom and encouragement. We're delighted to have Andrew as a patron and we look forward to making more memories like this in the future. So to kick off this podcast, we've switched things up a little bit and myself and Jerry are going to chat about things Irish cinema coming up in the next few months. Enjoy folks. everyone I am joined here with Jerry Maguire the head of Irish Film London so today at the beginning of this podcast uh, it's a little bit different we're just going to kind of chat about the world of cinema and film and what's going on at the moment it's nice to see a little bit of difference happening and a bit of change coming about and Jerry is currently in Jerry are you in London or are you in at home so I'm in London um, and you're in Dublin at the minute, Neve, aren't you? I'm in Dublin, yeah. So we have we have a representative in each <laughs> uh, place for our, the Irish Film Festival London. Um, so I know the cinemas here are opening up on the 7th of June, but over in London, they've been open for, for a while, haven't they? Yeah, they've been open for a month or so now. Um, I mean, I think it's largely gone really well in terms of like the industry getting back into it theatres and stuff I've been to the cinema in London here and it's it's just really nice to be back but I think it's probably worth saying it's been it's felt like a very safe experience and it's felt like a very you know warm welcome that we've had from venues that we've been to I managed to get down to Riverside Studios in Hammersmith in West London a couple of weekends ago for a nice screening over there um I was in Enniskillen a couple of weeks back as well and managed to get to the IMC cinema in Enniskillen. So cinemas in the north of Ireland have opened up as well now, and I think that's also going quite well. Um, I was chatting to some people at Queen's Film Theatre about their reopening, and I hope that that went well for them. So it's just really exciting to see them opening in, in the state as well. Definitely, and I think here there's been so many evenings where it's like, oh, I'd just love to go to the to the cinema or as my parents call it the pictures which I love yeah <laughs> going to the pictures yeah exactly and I know actually the I meant to say to say this before as well the eighth had a screening in the BFI yeah it did really cool and they're they're open across I think it's like 45 different venues uh, in London as well which is brilliant it's been an amazing release for them like I've seen so much activity online about it and so much so many great reviews and it's just really nice to see like like you know we've we've been a champion of the eighth at Irish Film London but it, it just really does feel like a really important moment in 
Irish documentary and it's just really brilliant to see it doing so well and to be so well received it's really really yeah. nice and if you are interested in that we have a podcast um with the makers and creators of the eighth so do check that out if you haven't I know one film that um has kind of gotten me through my cinema my missing cinema is I watched uh Nomadland on uh, it's on Disney Plus which oh wow an interesting collab I haven't um, seen that yet how was it it was so beautiful and it was really interesting like Francis McDormand is just incredible mm. and such an example of just immersing herself in the character and the cinematography is beautiful it was really interesting but it would also be lovely to see it on the big screen we attempted yeah. to do a cinema evening with like fake tickets and <laughs> but it's never going to be as good as the real thing i cannot wait to get some cinema popcorn again yeah uh, it's pretty cool that nomad lands on disney plus as well though that's really good for chloe Zhao. but isn't she she's attached to well she's attached to a big disney one as well isn't she i can't remember which one it is now she's directing um is it the eternals the new marvel film yeah, and actually another even Irish connection with that, with the Eternals, is our own Barry Keown is in the Eternals, which is really cool. What? So I didn't um, realise Barry Keown was in the Eternals. That's class. Yeah, he apparently he tweeted years ago that he wanted to be in a superhero movie or he wanted to be a superhero. So he did that kind of split meme of how it went versus how it's going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> screenshot of him uh, as a superhero in the Eternals with Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek and and all and all the big dogs so uh, that's really really cool to see to see him in that and he's oh, also in The Green Knight which is coming out as well so oh yeah that's uh, that's one of the films that I was really looking forward to really looking forward to and I think as well it's great that we're going to be able to see them in the cinema as well because they feel exactly. like big screen kind of immersive uh, immersive pieces so that would be good for sure another one of our own Neve Algar is in the new Guy Ritchie film Wrath of Man and mm. she's in another film coming out called Spencer which had the release date for that has been pushed back a bit and um, so hopefully fingers crossed we might be able to get Neve on to chat about all her upcoming projects because it's uh, just that'd be amazing one after another which is amazing yeah, yeah, she's just like uh, a hot property in the, in the celebrity world right now and like in the film world right now. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and as, as a fellow Neve, it's lovely to to hear everyone being able to say and uh, and spell our names correctly, which is lovely. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, oh, but it's it's really good. You're right. There's like so many. There's so much to look forward to in the cinema schedule now. Um, I see Wildfire has got a release date set very soon in June as well. Um, and do you know the other thing that happened this week is the Cannes Film Festival released its official selection. Um, so there's like in competition and out, out of competition in the official Cannes selection. The Director's Fortnight and the um, the Critics Week stuff is all separate to that. But all the stuff that's in competition this year is just mind-blowing. It's amazing. I was tweeting about it the other day thinking, I just can't get any further on this list. It's just everyone whose film I would want to see at Cannes is represented. Mm, but, the bar is just getting higher and higher and higher. It's amazing. And even yeah. kind of 
guerrilla style stuff or stuff made on a low budget and everything like that it's just the standard is is incredible it really is yeah but you know what the sad thing is in england a lot of the industry was really looking forward to going to to the croissette in, in person this year having had to do like an online can festival industry thing last year and i don't i don't think it's going to happen like i think that France is on the green list for the UK in terms of travel restrictions, but it's England's not on, or the UK is not on France's green list. I've just seen so many people thinking we're not gonna we're not gonna make it, are we? We're gonna have to cancel accommodation and cancel our plans to go across, and oh, it's heartbreaking for people who've been like planning it for ages, and you know. Definitely. That's a big hit for sure. Speaking of in-person film festivals, can you believe it? They were actually a thing. We're, with this podcast, we are going to go back to 2019 to the Groucher Club in Soho in London, where we sat down with one of our patrons, Andrew Scott, in a room full of young actors where he graced us with his wise words of wisdom and encouragement and um, so i hope you guys enjoy and lots to look forward to in the months to come thanks jerry thanks neve i was wondering andrew when you when you sit in front of an audience like this do you think to yourself the next meryl street is sitting here <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a thought that I thought. <laughs> Do you? Um, I'm nice to everybody. Maybe the next Ruth Negger, considering we're at the uh, Irish Film Festival. Um, uh, no, well, you know, you, you never know. That's the thing, isn't it? You, uh, uh, you don't operate out of... Um, you know, I think one of the difficult things as an actor is we've all got something within us that uh, uh, isn't necessarily seen by everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to believe that you you've got to have that sense of belief before other people do because or or, or else um, there's no real point you've got to actually something that um, the great Meryl Streep says is that you've got to pack your own suitcase it's a, which is something that's been incredibly um, uh, helpful to me uh, and I think what she means was is that a director or a, an agent or other people can tell you what to do and can tell you uh, what to put in your suitcase and this is what you need but you've actually got to go no this these are the parts that these are the parts that I need to play and these are the um, these are the things that I want to do so that um, so that you know what's in what's in your what's in your case yeah. you know and um, uh, so uh, so thank you for asking that question because that's uh, <laughs> Meryl Streep is somebody that I think is uh, you know that's not the first person to say it but I think as a human being She's got a very good attitude towards um, what what um, acting means. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose you did mention it, so we should. We've, we've asked how many actors or what actors we've got in the room. We should ask who here is actually linked to Ireland in the room. Okay, so they're on this half of the room. They <laughs> <laughs> put all the Irish people in one half. Okay, that's that's uh, that's good to know. So, uh, listen, guys, this is um, this is really intended to be genuinely an interactive session, right? So, if I'm talking, that's a really bad thing. So, we do want you guys to be uh, to to have opportunities. Yeah, please to, ask, to ask questions. Want. That's that's the basis of which uh, Andrew agreed. To be fair, um, <laughs> as long as you. <laughs> So I'll ask you a couple of questions, though, if I may. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to warm them up. Just to warm them up. No, no. So no, be no. thinking of questions. Uh, even though people taking notes, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so if we if we do take you back, we'll do a little bit on career first of all. So uh, and I know you got into acting quite early. 
Um, but can you remember what, which production you were in when you kind of said, yeah, I really want to do this. Oh, I want to yeah, do this yeah. forever. Uh, yeah, I was in a production of The Wizard of Oz when I was 11, a couple of years <laughs> older than you. And I played the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. I did sort of, um, I, the, the way I started was I was really shy um, and I had a lisp, I had quite a strong lisp when I was a kid. Um, and so uh, my mother uh, sent me to sort of drama classes on a Saturday afternoon. And I was used to be like absolutely shaking going in. But something happened when I went in, I found it uh, easy to... Uh, act in whatever way it was to imp improvisation or put on accents or whatever the hell it was and so I did it as a an, as a sort of amateur thing um, and then I did um, a couple of kind of ads on the TV but the, but the Wizard of Oz is the first um, uh, kind of show that we put on and uh, yeah I just I just I just loved it um, I think there's a there's a great myth that you have to be an extrovert to be an actor because I don't think that's true uh, I think you you've just got to have and sometimes I think actually being introverted uh, in pushing yourself down when you're introverted, I think it means that you can be more expressive when you're when you're when you're not. Mm. And like even back then, like you, you, again from looking at your your career, we could have spent the whole hour just talking about everything that you've you've been in. Um, even back then, were you making choices? Could you make choices about what you wanted to do and what you didn't want to do, or when when did that come? Because you know oh. you've got a you've got a dream. Uh, period uh, like even you know the, the, the movie at 17 and then you mm. come over here mm. you, uh, well after that but you're in the Abbey and the yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. so like you know we've got some some folks here who are who are trying to achieve that how you know what were your red lines to quote Theresa May yeah well the choice you mean the choices the career choices yeah yeah uh, well, that really varies from person to person. I, 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 I do think what's a, um, what you choose not to do as an actor is very important. Mm -hmm. I think it's as important as what you choose to do. But having said that, I think acting in whatever way you can is also very important. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it sort of speaks to the idea of what, what a successful actor is. Mm. Um, and people have very, very varying... Um, ideas of what a successful actor is. Uh, I've never felt um, that I was failing as an actor when I was just working in the theatre. I didn't get sort of, I've been lucky, I gotta say. I've always, I've, I've always um, managed to be in, in employment for the most part. And uh, I've done a little bit of filming over the years, but like some people think, okay, unless you're sort of working in movies or you're working in television that you're not a successful actor or you're not on sort of the main stages of, um, uh, in Ireland or in England or wherever it is. That you're not successful as an actor, and I think uh, you've got to decide again what you want to do. You know what what it is that, that what is it that you want to do? Because if you could work with a co-op of actors and have your own um, uh, uh, theater company, um, you know, then that's that that that, that that's of course is is as valid as any other kind of career. Um, so you can make your make make it up yourself, really. Um, uh, there were obstacles, of course, and there were career choices. Um, uh, it was more about the kind of parts that I wanted to play. I think from the beginning, I definitely wanted to not do... I remember quite early on, I was about 19, I was very lucky when I started at the Abbey in Dublin. Uh, I was asked to do um, another... I was, I'd was i done a couple of plays at the Abbey, and I was asked to do another, another um, play that was sort of similar. And I remember saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And then looking at me, I remember being in the artistic director's office and uh, 
looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I was like, um, no, because it's very similar to the other the other thing. And I, wa I was out of, out of work for a bit, but I, I really enjoyed playing these parts and, and I didn't want to sort of dilute it. I felt like I wanted to keep learning and what, what uh, sort of stood to me mm. once I did get a little bit of scrutiny and I did have a little bit more choice open to me was that I really knew once I had a little bit more choice what I was good at and what I wasn't. And I think that's because I kind of really went after um, the things that I wanted when there wasn't so much scrutiny. So I knew that I wanted to do comedy. I knew that I hadn't done that. And so I was, I was just desperate to learn um, as, much as, I, as much as I could. Um, so yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, again, we'll open the questions up uh, pretty early. So if anybody, yeah. has, everybody, anybody has any questions, great, go ahead. Hi. Hey, how you I doing? I love your sweater. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> um, I wanted to say, how do you like to be directed? So I know that with a lot of directors, they'll give you the content and they'll say, go discover the character by yourself and kind of, this is what you are, this is what you do, go do you. Mm -hmm. Or is it like, do you want to be guided and say, okay, this is how I see it? Like, I think it kind of depends. I like when somebody's got a firm hand. I'd always say about, about um, um, but I always like, but I always like, but I always like, I like the expression benign dictator. That's what you want in a, in a director. You want somebody who has got um, some of the most tense-making uh, experiences I've had is when the director is sort of saying, how did you feel? And he's a bit wishy-washy and he's a little bit unsure of what actually it is he wants. Yeah, well, it's mostly men, actually, that are, are the ones that are trying to please too much, ironically, because, because they're going, they're, they're the ones that are sort of um, quite self-conscious about being uh, uh, too dictatorial. So it's usually the men that are, are the ones that um, go the other way and, and sort of say, uh, "Look, I don't want to boss you around." And actually, sometimes you do need to be, to be, um, just, just you just need somebody to go. This is, th this is what I have in my head, and I would ask you to, to give me sort of options. I like to give as many options, um, as I can, for the film director. You know. Um, uh, to sort of do it a lot of different ways so that they have something in the edit. I think I think uh, one of the difficult things in in movie or television uh, filmmaking is that you have to give over your character. You know, a, a film or a te television series can really be made in the edit. So sometimes I think people's uh, instinct is to go, okay, well, I want it to be this way. I want to play this character this way, so I'm going to move within these very small... Um, parameters so that they don't really have a choice but to uh, to um, in a way that's actually quite limiting um, and it means that uh, you're not as playful as you can be on on the set I think between action and cut you should be as playful and give them as much as, as, as possible and in a way that's a risk because sometimes they choose takes that you think are absolutely dreadful <laughs> <laughs> and embarrassing and all that kind of stuff um, but that's part of it uh, you know I would say to any of you who are doing film acting that's one of the things that you have to sort of give up to a certain degree until you you know you, unless you're producing your own work but um, one of the things you have to give up is okay they may choose that take they may choose something and th the product might be completely different um, to the way I, I, I choose to direct it but that's one of the that's one of the things that I've found difficult in filming when I see the movie eventually I think 
that's not the choice I would have made. Whereas in the theatre, you're the. It's much more the actor's medium, and that's why I, I do. I really do. Of course, it's a, it's possible to um, to be a great actor without having done theatre. But I do think what theatre gives you is a sort of uh, directorial eye, because it allows you, if the audience are, are being a little bit slow or they're coughing, you have to go. It's my, it's your immediate instinct to go. Well, I I've got to speed this up, or I've got to I've got to get them again. Not the director, and he's he's sitting in the wings, or he's in the audience. Uh, it's up to you to be the, the sort of chief storyteller. Um, so yeah, I think it's I, I think it's for them to. Um, in a way, it's up to me to adapt to every director because they can they can, they can be wildly um, varying in, in what they they want. But I think all actors. I, you'll be surprised. I mean, some of you are professional actors, but I'm, I've, I've often been surprised about how um, how directors can be not really that interested in the acting, or don't really have a lot to say about your acting. Um, they can be very, you know, they've an awful lot to think about. Um, so sometimes you have to uh, think, I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to do that differently, even though I'm not being asked to do it differently. And I'm going to I'm going to have a little thing and sometimes they'll notice <coughs> and, and another thing that I, I, I think is a, has, has come in um, handy to me is to not talk about too much about what you're going to do but just do it because sometimes it frightens people if you say I was actually thinking maybe I should just play that really really angry and then they're like uh, yeah okay but they don't really know until <laughs> until, until they've seen and then you're actually creating a sort of tense environment out of your own lack of confidence actually because you're looking for I think as actors sometimes we can look for affirmation and sometimes it's better just to just keep stum and just do it and then if it works it doesn't and if they go well, what the hell is that then you go okay well I'll do it again but, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you just you just you just um, you just keep you just you just do it do it it's a it's a it's it's much easier to I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed we all do it as actors I think uh, we like to talk around it we like to talk around the thing as a way of kind of avoiding doing what you have to do out of fear um, and uh, so just jumping in that's why kids are great actors because you say to you when you're a kid you say okay right you be the you be the teacher I'll be the thing and kids just go right they don't think um, hold on a second now <laughs> you know uh, you just go and being playful I say this all the time it's really boring but you're asked to play a part you, you play a part so holding on to your playfulness is incredibly important. Of course, we want to be taken seriously, although I don't really, really want to be taken seriously. But, uh, but, but like the idea of playfulness is something that we move away from the further we go into um, adulthood. And uh, children have that best. So uh, actors have to hold on to their, their childishness and their playfulness, I think. Yeah. Oh, and you were talking about uh, relationships with directors. Yeah. <laughs> You know, do you seek out certain directors? Do you avoid certain directors, or are you, are you kind of open? No, I'd be very open to, to, to because people are. That's the thing. You can, you can, you, some of the thing. If you were to have a complete, I think because we lack so much control as actors, and you kind of what gives us comfort to a certain degree is to um, is to plan out a sort of career, and sometimes that um, is in opposition to what actually might happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think you have to be completely open. I think you need to be really go no. Oh well, that maybe might be something similar to what I've done before. But here's here's a new 
you know, so yeah, I, I've been constantly surprised about uh, the, the turns that um, work has, has taken me in. So I do think it's important to keep mm. open because mm. that's careerism. And uh, I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure thinking too much. Um, I think you have to think a little bit about your career, um, but not too much. I think I think that maybe is a little um, uh, restrict, ultimately restricting. Yeah. 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 We'll take another question. Right here. Hey. Hey. Uh, so you talked about a directorial eye. Do you have any aspirations to kind of move in that direction? I do. I do. Um, uh, yeah. I think. I suppose it gets to a stage. I've been working for a long time now, and it gets to a stage where that experience, where you know, you're really involved in the in the process, in the filming, the, the storytelling, the 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 sometimes even the casting, the everything, and then for some reason in the editing uh, process, which a lot of the time the film can the tone of the film really can be set. You're away somewhere else, and they're away somewhere else, mm. and that's very difficult. Um, and it can go led by it can be led by financiers or weird decisions can be made that you think why did you do that that's that's and then the film sort of peters out and uh, that's difficult that's ha really hard when you put your um, put your soul into something um, uh, so for that reason I started to think about maybe just producerially producerially just being just having a little bit more of a say. Um, like a sort of um, what's the word in a, in a more formal way um, but yeah storytelling um, is what we all do and I think it's really important for a director to have an idea of what uh, it's like to be an actor and I think it's very important for us as actors to sort of not just to be thinking about you sort of have an idea of where the whole story is going um, so that's definitely something um, that I'm interested in in pursuing uh, probably in the theatre first, but uh, yeah, there's a couple of little irons in the fire. But yeah, it's just about storytelling. In the theatre, in the past uh, couple, a couple of theatre jobs I've had have been very involved in all aspects of it, um, and I've absolutely, absolutely loved that. So yeah, yeah, great. Oh, front row. So Amy doesn't really know you on screen because but we love listening to the Victor Potter. Oh right, cool stories that you've read. Do you want one? <laughs> Social stuff. Uh, she wants to know what's your favourite one that you read, and like she loves all the voices and yeah. all the little songs she did. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, good. Um, well, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably Peter Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's because he's a bit of a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, they're great stories. Those um, audio books are are, are uh, there's Roald Dahl ones that I read as well. I don't know if you know those. No, oh no, maybe they're the adult ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, but audiobooks are 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 incredible. There's there's loads of yeah. stuff that you can do within <coughs> with just using your voice. Yeah, that yeah. I find she loves all your voices and the little yeah, songs yeah. you do. Yeah, Amy's got a great name for stage already. Doesn't need to change anything. <laughs> but it's Amy Bump. Gumble. Gumble. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, come on. <laughs> Straight into TV. <laughs> there was another question. Great. Hi. How are you going, Andrew? How's it going? Um, no, I was just wondering, obviously, you played some quite iconic characters on stage and screen, like the Moriarty Hamlet, those very famous characters. Obviously, yeah. quite daunting characters yeah. to play. Yeah. Um, obviously, all characters that I'll ask actors aspire to play. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, I know this might be a private question in terms oh. of the process, and some actors quite private about the process. But no, sure. If you're okay answering it, how you approach a 
character is iconic in that has been done so many times yeah. in so many different ways and how do you look at it from a different angle and go right this has been done several times mm. like this I'm going to try it like this because obviously mm. the Hamlet's one I've seen yeah. a million times how do yeah. you no, that's a it's a really great question because uh, for some reason that's kind of happened. And next year I'm going to play Tom Ripley in in the the Patricia Highsmith novels. It's again, very famous sort of literary characters. And the most difficult thing is that is the is the sort of waterfall of opinions that people have on it. That's the most difficult thing. You think, well, of course, other people are all you know full of expertise. Uh, <laughs> you know, of course you're going you're going to do this blah blah blah. blah and there's an awful lot of you know, thing. This is this is what it must be. There are like hundreds of books written on Hamlet and how you should say it and how you should speak it and blah blah blah. And then there are of course huge. Um, there are fandoms for things. There are things, um, you know, blogs written about um, what, what the way Arthur Conan Doyle is the meaning of that character. The blah blah blah. There's uh, tomes written about the sexuality of Tom Ripley. Blah blah blah. That I'm already starting to hear like about about what, what's it going to be about. People wanting their uh, their thoughts on it uh, confirmed. What are you going to do about that? What's going to do? And if it's not, if it doesn't fit into a particular way, um, there's you know in this day and age, there's a sort of um, outpouring of outrage, and it's that's kind of, kind of getting worse because we live in this this time where there's opinions. There's so many opinions on what way things could be, and the, and the, and 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 that's a good thing to to a certain degree, but I definitely found it daunting. So actually, I would say that I've become quite um, uh, ferocious in defending those things and just actually embracing, ignorance is the wrong word, but starting Hamlet based on what I myself can read, uh, what, what I read, not what I think, what has been said about the, 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 um, the play or not what other people um, have ways other people have interpreted the play so actually it's again to go back to that very childish way of going well is that actually in the play there's so many things about mm. um hamlet for example where they talk about you know that's a guy who's in you know an inky dark thing who's just very moody or the moody prince they say and actually that play is full of comedy i mean he's a really really funny funny character and the tragedy of it is that it's that it's, it's this great character who's who's been um, sucker punched by grief. And that's what makes it so wonderful. If he was just completely uh, sort of moody for his entire life, then there actually isn't really that much uh, tragedy in his release from life, you know? Um, so that's something that I really just discovered. You're like, oh God, that's really just something that I've read about um, uh, the play. I, I used to have this thing when we were doing in Hamlet, a thing called the famous play buzzer which people sort of assumed, okay, well, the ghost of the father is gone now, so... And you go, yeah, but the audience, if you're a 14-year-old, you don't know that that ghost that appears isn't going to be in the whole play. We just know that because the play is so mm. famous that that we just we just take that as read. You don't know that he and Ophelia might get married, and it's, that, it's a sort of childish ignorance about storytelling that I think we have got to be like, oh, wow, or, you know, what is it that, you, that I'm going to do? And in a sense, it takes a little bit of bravery because you don't feel confident at the beginning of a, of a, of a, of a process, but you have to embrace that feeling of sort of uh, um, audaciousness and sort of, I'm going to do it this way, and maybe I don't have the right. People talk an awful lot these days about entitlement um, and, like, you know, the kind of public school system over here, and there's certain uh, people who are 
uh, who are have a feeling of entitlement to um, to work and um, and I think an artist has to feel entitled so the problem is not the, the feeling of entitlement the problem is that only a certain faction of the community are enabled to feel entitled you know what I mean so I think we should all when we're kids we, do, we don't we don't feel oh I'm not entitled to play you just lose that because you go, oh God, maybe I'm, I'm not. Before doing, doing Hamlet, I thought, well, maybe I'm not in possession of the, the sort of fruity voice, the sort of way that I've heard that Shakespeare is supposed to be. Maybe that's just not something that I'm able to do because I'm an Irish person and that's not. And, and actually, you just go, no, 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 I do, I do, I do, I'm going to do that. And then that's how, you, that's how you produce something that's genuinely authentic. So it's a sort of sense of kind of confidence and almost arrogance that you go I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it this way and then uh, and then that um, uh, what's the word arrogance is kind of measured and shaped by the brilliant thing about our work which is collaboration because you can't just do things your own way you have to go okay well other people go that way and blah 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 and then you um, one audacious idea meets another one and then you're able to work it out and um, the great director Rob Ike said a great thing to me is that in a room and there should always be a difference of opinion, but that you should argue with each other as allies rather than as enemies. And I think that's a brilliant thing to say, that you, that you, that you can disagree with someone, but that doesn't make them your enemy. It makes, if you feel like we are allies that are trying to find the truth here, um, I think that's a really nice way of um, uh, approaching, approaching work. So, um, yeah, it's sort of holding on to, to, to your spark of divine fire. Again, that packing your own suitcase thing yeah. springs to mind. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thank you. By the time we get to see your work, it's, it's, it's come through the rehearsal process and it's pretty much, you know, packed. it's perfect by that stage. But well, it's could, you <laughs> <laughs> could you talk to us about maybe the learning process, the risk-taking, the mistakes yeah. to get there? Well, I think it's really important that you're very embarrassing in rehearsal. <laughs> I don't think you should be going and going, everybody going, that is just... <laughs> <laughs> You've got to do, do it wrong. I remember yeah, in yeah. Sherlock, actually, Benedict used to be like, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> <laughs> he used to be like, what? what? Because I'd be like, because, you know, that character, I was like, that character is really playful. Yeah. And that, that was a very famous um, literary villain who's not, uh, you know, Oh, he's, he was hardly, he didn't, he doesn't hardly, he hardly appears in the, in the novels. And so the way they wrote it was, to my mind, was like really playful. I hadn't really that much experience of what the novels were. And, you know, my job is to interpret what their, what, what their interpretation of the novel is. Mm. Um, so I, I was like, well, I'm going to be as playful as, as, I, as I can. And uh, m my feeling about that character was that uh, he's scary to other people, but I, I don't think he sees himself as... You don't play the effect mm. of what you're going to do on people. Mm. Um, and so for that reason, with different takes, I used to do lots of things that were pretty crazy. And some of them ge were genuinely like, everybody would be like, looking at the work. <laughs> um, and then there were certain things to go, oh, no, that really works. And, um, and that's hard. That's yeah. genuinely hard. Yeah. Because you think, oh, you're going to make an idiot out of yourself. And then, and then when it came out, um, there were so many people who thought, and probably still do, that it's t absolutely terrible and that it shouldn't be like that and that's not the way it should be played. And they, they're absolutely entitled to their opinion. But my, my, my feeling is, is that I would much rather 
do something that people go, well, that's what that, uh, that's what that person's work is. And I'd rather put my own autograph on something than have someone go, oh yeah, that's exactly like, that's exactly what I expected, you know? That's exactly, that's, yeah, that's, I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that you should willfully choose something that's sort of completely left of center, mm. but I think you should willfully go with what your instinct was, and mine on that um, was uh, to do it like that. <laughs> 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 it worked, it worked. It worked. Anybody else? Oh, this lady here in black, first of all. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, how are you doing? You've, been, you've lived the lives of characters of such complex experience and circumstance. And I've heard you speak so beautifully before about finding the kind of facets of yourself in your acting. Yeah. And have you ever found that you were losing yourself? And if so, how did you find your way back? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a beautiful question. Um, yeah, I think... Um, Yeah, Hamlet is the most difficult part that I've ever played. We did it, I did it loads of times. I did it 150 times. It's absolutely with that part, you have to pour yourself into it. But you have to do it so much. You have to do it. We did it eight times a week, and it's we our version was four hours long, three hours. Long. So doing that twice on a Wednesday yeah. and twice on a Saturday. Just the sound of your voice and having to <laughs> just like that, and just like I'm still I can't believe I'm still talking. So you do <laughs> start going, and you're not talking about you're going to like you're going you're playing. Because to my mind, Hamlet doesn't exist. If you know what I'm saying, like it, it, when they talk about the character, I'm like that's me. That's me you're talking about. So when Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are, are playing your best friends and they come on, and they're lying to you about. Um, why they're there and you're music cue <laughs> uh, they're lying to you you start to become sort of really paranoid and I don't know you can, in a way I'm definitely not a method actor or else if, 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 if you're talking about something that's really affecting you and somebody's mobile phone goes off mm. and you're so feel so raw you go oh my god you feel really angry and really just really raw or really ecstatic and really and in a way when I look back at it now I don't I don't um, think that I was losing myself but I thought that I was losing it I, did, I really did I de definitely there's a break that he has after the, after the and I remember coming off and you're like you're so sweaty with all the with all the stuff that's going on you have a headache from literally shouting and people shouting at you and all that kind of stuff and you're you're exhausted and you've done it for you've been doing it for seven hours on a wednesday evening and you're like oh god and then 20 minutes later just having been left on your own you're absolutely fine you have 20 he, he writes in this this break for him when he goes to england in the, in the play and i'm sure he did it because he thought somebody can't maintain their um, maintain that for a lot long and then you go oh no, it's all right it's okay it's okay and then he sort of re-emerges into the play and you really re-emerge into the play because you've had this time where frankly you're just you're just you're just not speaking or you're not living that that time so um that was the most extraordinary challenge because uh we did it so often um but i'm so glad that i did it because it was incredibly personal to me um and uh it's sort of uh even though it was very difficult. Everything since then has been, you just go, wow, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah.
So yeah, thank you for that question. Great. There was a there was a lady yeah, in the yeah. Navy. Hi Andrew. Hey. Um, how do you know that you've uh, made your best job with the role that you've hit it? Because there is a <coughs> reaction of the audience, of course, and the critics. But what are your internal criteria that you don't do the best job? Oh wow, that's a really good question. Um, it's sort of it's sort of for me it's like kind of music. There's a music to the to the dialogue, you know, there's sort of um, it's it's where one actor sort of bounces off another actor, do you, do you know what I mean? And you go somebody sort of takes it. I love the I love the idea of ensemble. I love the idea of passing something over and somebody saying something and you know, Sophie Thompson is com comes to my mind who's an actress who I just worked with on Present Laughter and she's just a total dream. She's really interested in the musicality of something. We were doing a kind of a farce for this play called Present Laughter, and she uh, she was playing my sort of long suffer suffering secretary, and she sort of would say things and just sort of slam the <laughs> and, and I loved that. I, I knew how you're sort of left there, sort of having to sort of hold the laugh, and they were just delighted with her and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I loved that feeling of passing it around, you know, passing the, the, the fun around. Um, there is nothing like making an audience laugh and then completely disarming them with a, a moment. I love the idea of of playing those kind of a disparate set of notes within within one within one scene. Um, but then you don't really know. I, again, that's what I think. With with the theatre, you're just constantly right up until the last show. You're like, oh, that didn't quite quite, you know. And uh, you know, it's a one thing that I think audiences don't appreciate is how much we as actors talk about the audience. You're always annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're always going, you know, you're always obsessed with them. You're completely obsessed. Oh, they're quite, they're quite nice tonight. They're quite really nice tonight. You're, always, you're always talking about it. And um, even in the audience, I don't think, well, you know, being an actor for as, as long as I am, I don't think, I wonder how they're thinking about us this evening. It's actually, it's actually a question that you ask when you, when you see a play that you haven't really enjoyed. You know, when your friends are in a play that you thought was terrible, you always say, how, did you, how were we? Did you worry a little on you? <laughs> <laughs> Just for something to say. Remember that. Uh, um, uh, costume. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, you don't really know. And then, and then I think sometimes on set, when you do a good take, you sort of go, that felt right. I always think that's good to say to the director, that felt right. And then they go, they never listen to you. And they just go, yeah, 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 yeah. And they choose whatever they want to. Uh, that idea of moving on is quite difficult when you're on set mm -hmm. because you've two or three times sometimes to to do to do something. We've just made this film called um, 1917, which is a, a war film that's uh, all in one take. The whole entire film. Um, it's supposed to look like it's entire. Obviously, the whole film can't be in one take. But, but, it's, but, it's, but a lot of the sequences are. So there's very long sequences where they use one camera, so there are no close-ups. Um, and they rehearsed it for months about where the camera might go. Um, and uh, obviously that means you don't have, uh, you have a master shop, you don't have close-ups. So, ha so the set, it was set in World War I, so the trench would reach right, like, right to the end of, almost to where um, Piccadilly Circus might be. That's how big the set was. Um, and so, uh, they'd start the, the scene and it could be a nine minute scene and every single aspect of it had to be right and they were talking about explosions and hundreds of extras and stuff so you were like I was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you can't be the guy that's gonna mess it up 
that Sam Mendes directly was like, just release yourself from the um, pressure that you're going to get this the way you normally do in three takes. Mm -hmm. And it was such a kind thing to say because the first kind of times you're like, oh my god, like a bit like a first preview. You're like, okay, I said the lines and it was terrible. And then, you know, maybe the fifth take, the cigarette lighter wouldn't work. The fifteenth um, take, the camera angle just slightly missed one of the things because they have to get in so many different things, and they have to decide because there's no close. They can't go, okay, it's on you, then it's on me. They have to decide that line is important, and then blah blah blah. And this is all be pre 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 planned until you're into like take twenty five, and then you're in take. 35 and it's, it's, it's always an extraordinary experience of making films because that's not the way you normally a little bit like theater the way that we rehearse something over and over and over and over um, but it was really um, uh, instructive in the sense that uh, it taught me about filmmaking that so often what happens in the theater is that you're so used to the lines in the theater that you're not thinking that's where it becomes really playful and I think sometimes our our um, experiences on set are a little bit like memory um, memory exercises because like can I remember this can I remember this so I do always say to to people starting out just really know it it's 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 um, it's annoying but to really really know there's an argument about not learning your lines before rehearsal start a lot of people have different opinions on that um uh I I my, for, to, for my money because they say maybe don't learn the lines in a particular way because then you're not going to be able to veer from them but I'm like what kind of psycho are you if you're not able to <laughs> You know, I think you can go into a particular groove, but you have to be able to learn to say things in different ways. That's, that's part of our job, because somebody else might say it a different way one night, and you can't just stay in your, you have to, you're doing it with other people. Um, so I think learning your lines and being just really fluid with them, so you literally aren't thinking about what, um, what you're saying. And then sometimes when you're in that, set, that zone, where you don't really know what you're doing, you're just sort of behaving, that's actually when you're doing your best work. Um, and so we don't really know. Uh, so it's a, it's, a diff it's, a, it's a difficult one. The IFL podcast is completely independent, so I would ask if you're enjoying yourself or you enjoy popping onto our website and checking out the films we put up for you guys to consider making a donation or becoming a champion. If money is tight at the moment, even just spreading the word about us would be amazing. So just before I hand you back over, we'd like to thank Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme for all of their ongoing support of our work, including this podcast series. Now, back to Andrew. Was it harder not to have a theatre degree? Do you feel any disadvantage or advantage? Uh, for, for what? What was the beginning of that? Um, not to have a theatre degree. School. A theatre degree? Yeah. No, I don't actually. I don't. I did when I first started out. Um, I started to. I went to Trinity for f four months, and it wasn't. It wasn't for me. It was. It's not an academic. Uh, not an academic. Not an academic subject for me. Um, no. In fact, I think it's been uh, an advantage for me. Something about going to drama school um, is really wonderful. But you are in a situation with a lot of people who are in exactly the same position as you, mm. which is it can be an amazing thing. So a lot of the time it's people who are in their late teens or early 20s who are starting out um, and you have a sense of community from there. But that isn't a, 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 a reflection of what it's like to work in a theatre company. In a theatre company, the amazing thing about working in a theatre company or a film company is that you're hanging out with whoever the characters are in the play. So if that's somebody who's um, 85, 
and that's what I love. It's it's you get to know what it's like to be an eighty an eighty five year old's day. You're not hanging out with people who have the same sort of experience as you, or you know, people from different cultures or different sexes or all that kind of stuff. Or you know, there's a, there's a there's a huge disparity and um, diversity in theatre companies, depending on what the what the um, what the play is about. But in drama school. It's less so. So there's a kind of sometimes a competitive edge to, to drama school, which I don't think is, um, I don't think it's uh, competition in, within actors troubles me. You know, that idea of, okay, well, if they're there, if they get it, you know, we've been told that a lot. There's a sort of an insidiousness that happens when you think, and we all have them when people go, oh, they're doing really well, and does that mean that there isn't space for me? Um, you, you've talked before about uh, having having actor friends. Yeah, that that's really important mm. in terms of that community and that network and that safety. And yeah, that I think that's very stuff. important. Think that's probably something. Yeah, we'd love to hear about. Well, yeah, I've I've read a lot of interviews where people sort of say, uh, certain actors say, "Oh, I don't have any friends that are actors," and I always think that's very strange. I think get some <laughs> <laughs> like it's a virtue just no I just hang out with people from my hometown which is fine too you know, they can be both uh, but um, but you know they're your colleagues they're, they're I think actors we're in the empathy game the idea is is uh, to me actors are for the most part really uh, wonderful uh, people I think because the, the great ones are really funny you've got a great sense of playfulness sexy sexy people no but you know that there, there are people that in, in my life have just been just incredibly surprising and brilliant and are doing things that actually is quite it's quite a weird brave unusual thing to do with your life and I think it can it can it, it, it brings out a, a certain um, vulnerability, which I think is a, the best thing you can have as a human being. Um, and actors are uh, are are um, are such brilliant examples of vulnerability, and um, you know the good ones. And um, uh, so, yeah, so that idea of competition mm. and collegiate collegiateness, what a word. Um, um, uh, is 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 really important and, and and in that sense you don't have to take on board well what I've felt lucky about is that I have quite a I still don't know what iambic pentameter is I'm still working on stage left and stage right <laughs> stage left means the opposite of what I am looking at <laughs> or whatever. You know, like there's, there's things that I don't know that have slowed me down and I'm not saying that I'm proud of those things but there are things that they tell you that you must have, and it's incredible. And do you feel do you feel that? And you're doing anything? And I think, okay, that's really good. But we have to prioritize in this whole um, the, 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 the whole plethora of things that that, that they t say you must possess as an actor. You have to prioritize um, the the main ones, and sometimes discipline. Uh, gets, uh, you think you're going to be awarded for discipline, and you're not. You're not awarded for discipline. What you're awarded for in, in an audience is uh, truthfulness and authenticity. And if you can do that, uh, that trumps anything else. Does that mean that you need to be able to be heard and you need to be able to um, 
apply yourself to those things absolutely but it's not the chief it's not the chief thing the, I think the chief thing that you need for to be a good actor in my in my view is um, is an imagination to be able to imagine it to be in lots of different situations going yeah I can imagine myself there what would I be like what would I what would I do and a sense of humor I think if you don't have a sense of humor uh, you're not able to a sense of humor to me is something that that separates us, that or makes us distinct as a as a species. Animals who I adore, like if I look at my dog, he's great fun, but he's not able to go. But you know what I mean? He's not able to go. Oh my God, this is sort of ridiculous, which yeah. makes him so much fun. But we're able to go. We're able to. The sense of the absurd mm. is something that I think that we change, that we really have as human beings, and. Uh, uh, so, if we're studying humanity, the degree, the the degree of sophistication that that your sense of humour uh, lies at, it's, it is I think a, a mark of someone's humanity in in, to, in some ways. So I think because we're in the human uh, uh, interest game, I think I think that's a really important one for 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 actors. Uh, we've probably got time for, I'd say, two more questions. So I'll take one here. Right, hey. um, when you were first starting out, yeah. how did you uh, kind of find the balance between screen acting and stage acting in terms of technique? Yeah. I was just going to say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Two birds. Um, That's very efficient. Uh, very <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, again, I think there's another myth, which is that screen acting you are required to do nothing <laughs> it's this thing that you go um that in some way you're going to be like sort of too much and all that kind of stuff which of course is true but i think that's pretty easy for us looking at our tapes back if we make a tape for ourselves you're able to sort of gauge that i think most people are able to go oh god that's a bit too much there i don't like that and actually sometimes I think that people fall apart on is that actually in that self-consciousness where you go I don't want to do too much um, I think for a lot of people their worst type of acting is when people feel like they're looking at themselves too much or that they're monitoring themselves too much and I think that sometimes um, that thought is um, given birth to when we're oh, wh when we're applying somebody else's um, thoughts like don't don't be too big don't be too big and I do think that human beings have an extraordinary way of um, uh, expressing themselves. You know, people can be really theatrical and really animated. So why why shouldn't they be represented on, on screen, depending on what what, what the character is? Um, and stillness on stage, conversely, is also totally dynamic when you choose just not to do anything. People go like the quality of silence that happens in a, in a theatre. When somebody dries, is like no other. Mm. When, when somebody goes, the audience goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine, you cannot hear a pin drop. Yeah. And what is that? It's because it's completely alive. People go, this is happening now. This yeah. is absolute. So our job is to recreate that. Our job is to go. Is to fool people who are paid money and sitting in the dark that this isn't, this. this and that's so. I find that just so moving though. That, that we we go into watch a lie, the lie that tells the truth. We all know that it's um, uh, false, but a, a great human need 
for storytelling, is to make up something in order to make ourselves feel better. That's a human need. Everybody has a favorite song and a favorite movie. That's what we go to when uh, we uh, feel alone or in need or concerned. And I think that's, a, that's why I think it's a very honorable thing to do. You know, in wartime, people use music and storytelling to survive. Um, so when people say that um, storytelling or acting or whatever is a sort of fickle thing to do, or that arts are, um, uh, you know, down the, um, the chain when it comes to uh, what we need in, in, our, in our society, I, I just com completely refute that because we want more than just to survive. Give us bread, but give us roses. I think that's, I think, mm. I think that's really, really important. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, uh, it is the last question. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. We can do a few more. What time okay. is it? What time? Twenty past. Oh, we can, oh. We, can, we can do another. Okay. 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 Hi, Andrew. Hey. Um, you spoke about Hamlet, and you also mentioned Ruth Nader. Yeah. <coughs> she played Hamlet. She did. In Dublin. So yeah. I suppose I'm just interested to know where you stand on the diversity debate and the idea that only certain actors ought to play certain roles. Mm. It's a really good question. Let me just pour this vodka. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I think you know diversity. Note for next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think it's um, it's a really interesting question. Um, I think diversity is incredibly important. I think uh, the people who get to play the parts has been the the the, the balance of who gets to play what has been uh, or the playing field has been completely uneven. Um, I am very concerned that we get to a stage where we feel that only my experience and my nationality and my sexuality and my um, uh, whatever it is, is that, that's the only thing that I, that I can con contribute to the, wor the world. Because we are talking about empathy. So I don't think, uh, for example, you know, being a gay person, I don't feel like that I only want to just play gay people and I think that's unfair I think that's not what I want to do I don't think that's all I'm capable of and I don't think answering that idea in relation to who gets to play gay people can be answered by saying okay I think we're, what we're looking for is equality I don't think the answer to that is saying no straight person can ever play a gay person again I think that's wrong I just I just don't think that you can you can speak in absolutes about that having said that the playing field has been so in the other in the other direction where no gay person has really mm. ever got to even play a gay person so you got to go well hold on a second now let's just open this up a little bit and so I think in speaking in absolutes um, is dangerous I think if you go no no this is the I think that's the thing I think we have to look at every individual case and go okay and, and, and look at that um, and I think that um, representation is, is extremely important, but I also think transformation is really important. I think that's what we love when we go and see people transform into something else. I think we go, I know, I have a feeling that person did that, but look, they've made themselves, they've literally turned themselves into an anything to try, and so they really seem to understand what it's like to be me. And that's what we have to uh, remember, I think, you know, that that's why we, why we, why we like it. Whereas if we're just going, okay, well, that's his experience, and that's of course authentic. Um, it's a it's a different question, and it's a thorny question. And I do get that it's, um, um, but I do. It makes me anxious when people s when we go down that road 
where we say, no, you're, you're this, so stay in your lane, stay in your lane, because um, I don't know, for, for speaking for myself, um, you know, it's this idea, uh, the idea of um, um, all the different kind of sexualities and, and genders uh, being represented is really uh, wonderful to me. I find that, that sort of rainbow of, of thing. But we still have to look at uh, who we are as people. Because uh, I feel like I'm, I'm more than my sexuality. And I, d I don't like the idea there's a kind of thing about uh, that's happened, which is about being a straight white man. That, that is almost like um, that straight white men are, are, are um, dismissed. Mm. And I think that's uh, ugly. Because uh, we don't make enemies out of a certain faction of com community just because, you know, we have the, the power has been shifted. So um, yeah, it's a delicate one. Um, so the same in the business world. Great. Uh, hi. Um, love hearing you talk about uh, playfulness and cooperation yeah. on stage. It's great. Uh, you've had a lovely career that spanned theatre and film. I was wondering if there's anybody outside, off stage or off camera, that you've set up a relationship with that has helped you along the way? Or is there any partnerships that you've had? Oh, wow, well, that's a really good question. Um, I think my agent, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a really big, um, massive relationship that, that you have with somebody who's sort of the, uh, uh, I don't know, the guardian of what, what you, 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 number one, get access to. And then, you know, their belief in you when you, I, I don't know, many of you are working with agents at the moment, but sometimes when you're feeling down and you've had no, you think, oh God, and you can have a conversation with your agent and having spoken to them, you're still as unemployed as you were, but you just feel like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you feel like they go, no, it's this and what it is and it's one job and blah, blah, blah. And we need that. You need support because it's really hard being an actor. It's really, really hard. Um, sometimes and so they could be an arbiter of taste and all that kind of stuff and when I I had a, an agent before who was a very good agent but uh, I, I remember leaving and it was a really good thing to do because um, uh, the, the relationship that I now have is just it's just the right really right one for me and then yeah I have a couple of people who um, read scripts um, for me or just actually it's people I think sometimes that are the most beneficial are people who aren't in the industry at all so like I've got friends from 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 Dublin they're like what why would you do that sounds weird <laughs> you know what I mean? like, just do that like whatever you know you just you know like you know that they're just sort of like don't really care Shh. you know what I mean let's go and you go yeah don't sort of overthink it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very this good. person has been with. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. great. Thank you. I My just job. wanted to ask a question. It builds on a, it builds on a couple of the points that you've already made. Yeah. And that's about us as storytelling yeah. beings and um, the ability of the arts and theatre to create connection, community, and put across messages. Mm. And I'd just like to hear a bit more about what you think about the role of theatre and film and TV in um, creating that connection, telling the stories, and getting us over some of the environmental, social crises that we're facing. Yeah, that's the thing the thing I love the simple idea that uh, storytelling in whatever form it is is to help us lead a better life that's all it is 
That's what it's for. It's to help us just feel better. Mm. You know, that's what. When I can think of it in sort of simple, simple terms like that, the weariness that I think um, the audience, um, or not the audience, the world, I feel sometimes you just feel battle weary. You think, oh my God, I feel, you know, it's so polarized now. So it feels very angry, or at least that we're aware because there's so many outlets for communication now. And then Twitter. Twitter to me is really dangerous. I think in a way it's the opposite of storytelling. Twitter to me is <laughs> begin, begin runs. So let's let's say what it began as was a thing in Facebook or is a stat status update which is Andrew is having a vodka uh, with no <laughs> <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Then people liked writing that. People were like, um, you know, uh, oh, that's kind of fun. Why don't we extract that part of Facebook out and p make a sort of separate platform? And let's call it something that doesn't really mean anything. Twitter. Twitter. She's tweeting. It's not really anything that's significant. It's just little, little fun thing. And 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 that is um, going to be represented by the fact that it has to be within fifteen characters or less. And then it is now adopted by the most powerful person in the world to address the most complex emotional, political, and environmental issues in the world. And we have to do it within 15 characters or less. <laughs> and it's called Twitter. So if we tell people in 100 years there was a room called nonsense <laughs> that we decide on television and uh, to, to, within, which that we, within which we have to communicate. It just seems insane to me, mm. that nuance, because what it means... I, I mean, I do understand there's something... Uh, amusing and entertaining about saying something pithy in you know quickly and summing something up p p but like the idea of comments on below that, that you go you get a little high from slamming somebody down and then you say people don't go on any of these platforms to say I kind of know what you mean yeah but <laughs> it's always it's com combative and that's what's so dangerous and that's why to me it's the opposite of holding to to um, uh, uh, opposing thoughts mm. together and, uh, and surely our job is because we are never going to there are, al there are always going to be a disparity of opinions and I, the kind of, the, the kind of um, drama or storytelling that I like is when those two things can be posed and go yeah those two things can exist um, and it's difficult and our job is to in some way uncomfortably sit with somebody that we disagree with um, and I think sometimes the internet allows us to and either one live in a vacuum where we just surround ourselves with people that we do agree with um, or slam down the people that we don't and that's why I think this extremism that's um, that uh, has been born in, in, in the world more than ever now is, is so rife um, so yeah, roles are, are being allocated well are being considered on the basis of Twitter followers well, that's also you true. Know. That's also true. But, but I, I, you know, that's, f you know, on those big corp corporate. Um, um, <laughs> yes. We don't have yes, to. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hey. Hello. Um, would you have any advice for someone who has just moved to the big city, whether that's in Ireland or London? Um, they have an agent. 
and they have been going to castings for four years and I've only managed to get maybe three jobs in that time. Right. Um, what, what would you say to that person? Mm. Um, Who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I've done a lot of theatre yeah. um, and I've been trying to, to move forward in film yeah. um, and I would just love to hear your yeah. advice on maybe sticking out. and. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like auditions? Um, I I like them now because yeah. I I feel like it's a chance to present something. Yeah. But for a long time, it's just it's just been so petrifying because I just for me want to go in and play and not yeah. feel judged by that person. Yeah. Um, whether it, to be brutally honest, physically or or about my looks or about anything that mm. comes with being an actor. Yeah. Um, I just want to go in and play. And yeah. I feel lucky that I'm getting to the final rounds of these auditions, yeah. but not getting any further. And yeah. I'm sure there's other people in the room that yeah. are feeling yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and to remember that we've all been to that, that situation. Right. We, we really have. Where, where we go, oh my God, I'm getting down to the final thing and they like it. And what is it? I remember an agent of, me, of mine saying that to me. She goes, you know, you seem to be getting to the bottom of the field. What is it? And then she said, and, you know, if, if, if it continues, we'll need to, we maybe we'll have a little sit down and rethink our relationship. And I was thinking, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was frightening. I think, what's, I think what's helpful is that, is to remember that, I think we all get caught up in what our thing is. It's yeah. because everybody's got their own, I'm a bit this, or I'm a bit that, it's because of, and actually, Bill Nye says a brilliant thing, which is nobody, no, nobody has, has any great enthusiasm for you not succeeding, apart from yourself. Nobody really has any enthusiasm for you being inadequate or to this or to that or whatever it is we decide, apart from ourselves. People have an enthusiasm for, for you in, 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 in that sense. And what I suppose I would say to you is, it's, is if you were able to leave today or start on Monday or whatever and to say, don't attach yourself too much to the story of the past four years and the story of three, the statistic of three jobs in four years and the thing, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. Like, do you know, I mean, like, it, do, it doesn't really, like what I'm saying is nobody's interested in that when you go into your, into your next audition. So you, we carry with us the statistic. This was mm. four years of them. This is because of this reason. But nobody's really interested in that. So actually, it's to sort of creatively, in one way, it, it's in one way to sort of shed yourself of whatever your experience is. And that's what the, the great um, challenge is, is to go. And it's even a challenge when you're successful. Right. The, both things. Because in, in, in one way, you can be successful and they go, oh yeah, but they only know you for that part. There's always going to be something that you could be... Mm. Or they might think that I'm sort of into myself, or they might think they might be a bit sort of nervous around me yeah. or something. Or success or failure are just the opposite. They're just stories. Yeah. They're just stories that we sort of tell each other. And whatever your story is, it, 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 in a way, we apply ourselves to the story of what the, the thing we're auditioning for and not to whatever our own story is. Yeah. So the kind of going in going, I've, I've had loads of auditions, if that's what, what serves you on the thing. I've had. I'm, I'm a successful person, they are interested in casting me, there's no, there's a, and I think sometimes we carry with us the kind of, 
whether it's understandable, but the burden of what our, our story is. And that's what the great um, uh, um, stamina is required, yeah. is to sort of not think about that too much, you know what I mean? And to really try and reapply yourself to the, en to the energy. Because nobody else, um, I don't mean this in a cruel way, but nobody else cares that much about it as much as, as we do. They, don't just, they just don't care. They go, we think, oh, whatever, whatever my thing is, you know, for a long time for me it was about my sexuality. Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get this. Am I leaking something that I, and it was really not true. It really was true. There was something about my defensiveness about that, that um, was a block. And so your own authentic thing is, uh, is, is okay. And that storytelling was very uh, heightened within me. So I think, uh, I think just beginning again is a, is a is every time is the is the challenge. So just forget all that stuff about the last four years. We all have. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hope that's helpful too. This feels like a good place to finish. Or do you want to do? Well, this that feels like <laughs> one person with her under. Um, so it's in terms of an actor's stand. Obviously, for big shows, you have to have quite a lot of it. So yeah. for terms of Hamlet. Um, how did you build on your stamina for that, and how do you take yourself out of it afterward? Oh God! Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, um <laughs> I have to be truthful. I remember I met I met Rife Spall, who's a friend of mine. He's a great London actor, and uh, he, was, he was coming to see me in a matinee of Hamlet, and I'd just been into somewhere like. I don't know, like Greg's or somewhere. <laughs> some terrible sandwich. He was like, is that all you were eating for the next one that night? I, I felt this sort of sting of shame. <laughs> because I, I'm not very good at, you know, eating, you know, <laughs> eating hummus, uh, worthy, worthy food. <laughs> and I used to eat lots of chocolate and all, all the sort of the things. You know, I think I kind of probably <laughs> comfort ate and blah, blah, blah. So what did I do right? Um, uh, I really rely on the other people. I really do. I think, I, I don't mind saying I feel terrible or I feel good or I feel... Uh, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, just to talk, just to talk it out. I rely on people. People are the best thing in the world for me, obviously, more than food. I pay more attention to it. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying, you know, eat terrible sandwiches before you play classic Shakespearean fights. Uh, but, but, you know, I have to be truthful about, about uh, what, what was necessary for me to play that part. Um, and then to get out of it, honestly, um, uh, I was really like a wreck after that. I mean, it really was. It was like a little, little Bambi after it. Um, it took an awful lot out of me. Um, and it took me genuinely about a year to get over it. I mean, I was fine, but I, now I realize I kind of really wasn't. I was like, you're, something happened to your voice and you're just so tired the whole time. Um, so, uh, um, I don't know, it's whatever, whatever, um, Whatever you think you need, give, give yourself. Again, it goes back to the very first accidental thing we were talking about, about packing your own suitcase. In my case, it turned out to be um, 
Pret a manger. Uh, but, uh, you know, in other people's people go, no, I really need to eat or I really need to research. You know, I don't do research, but other people really need to do that. And that's as your God given right to go, what am I going to put in here? This is what I really feel like I need. And then you're able to decide. So, so that, that, if, there, if there's anything you know to take from today, it's that feeling of everybody having their own thing. And in, in your case, that you go that maybe in your suitcase there are things there that you don't need and you just throw them out. You go, what am I bringing every time? And the great thing about a suitcase is that you're able to sort of put in whatever you need, whether you need it, or sometimes maybe you don't even need a suitcase. The suitcase metaphor, I am now stretching. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, you, you hear what I'm saying. So good luck, everybody. It's a, it's a, I do think. Just the last thing to say is that I do think it is a very, very um, brilliant thing to do for a living because so many people, everybody involved in acting, have been told the most boring thing in the world, which is, to me, glaringly obvious, which is a very precarious, dangerous, uh, insecure thing to do for a living, which everybody knows. We all know that. I mean, nobody who's starting out in acting goes, oh, is it? <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought it was just going to be, you just go, you do your acting, you act every day for the rest of your life. I mean, nobody, everybody knows that. So the idea that you're going against, uh, um, uh, against what a lot of what the general consensus um, is in one way insanity, but in another way, it means that you are passionate about something. And to be passionate about something in this world, and we're all going to be dead in about 15 minutes, we're not really dead. <laughs> Yeah, much sooner than we think. You know, we're not here long. It goes by fast. Do the thing that you're passionate about, and that's uh, that's that's the um, that's the that's the thing. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you very much. And that's it from us here today. Thank you so much for listening. As an actor myself, I hope this chat inspired you as much as it did me. I'm ready to pack my own suitcase. We wish Andrew the best of luck and we're looking forward to seeing him again very soon. Don't forget to follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And also check out our current film programme that we have for you on our website in the Irish Film From Home section, where you can watch some amazing shorts and documentaries all from the comfort of your own home. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme and Culture Ireland who've been brilliant supporters of ours. Gurmila Mahogut. The Irish Film London podcast is produced by me, Neve Brannigan. Our interviewer today was the lovely IFL former director Mark McNulty and our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again soon. Music